Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's episode, sometimes the strongest of bonds is between a boy and his dog. And sometimes the bond carries over into death. When a medium tries to clean a home, there's one spirit that refuses to leave, but it's not why you may think. And two children seemingly have the same nightmare at the same time when their father receives a call that may explain it. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Oh, hi. How are you? I am doing well. I'm most amazed by the uh, the psychic sensitive plants that you've purchased for our home recently. They're not psychic sensitive; they're just sensitive. I wonder if there are psychic plants, though. I, I didn't know these ones existed, so I wonder if there are like ones that can affect, like, be affected by not just touch but emotion. I don't know. I've always heard that plants grow better when you talk to them. I've heard that too. I wonder if there's like any actual, you know scientific proof behind that one though uh-huh anyway the the sensitive plants uh, i i never heard of these things before why don't you explain what they are and what they do oh i hadn't either i went to a greenhouse over the weekend and they were these little tiny plants that just you know they kind of look fern like anyway i saw the sign and it said touch them they're sensitive and i thought okay so i touched one of them and when you touch them they fold their leaves in and they were retract back and i i thought that was really funny and and you can touch all the leaves and it'll just kind of shrivel up and then 15 minutes later it'll relax and open back up yeah i mean it's kind of reminiscent of a um like a venus fly trap is that yeah kind of in the fact that it moves that fast yeah but i i had to get two of them but you know, and blame it on the girls, even though I knew full well you and I were going to be playing with these plants more than anything. And you just sit there and you touch them, and then, like, the whole, and not even just the leaves move, but, like, the whole, like, branch will, like, move up and down and retract just by a tap. And then I tried to diss the plant later in the day. I was like, oh, let's see, how, let's see how it responds to some negative reinforcement. <laughs> so I insulted the plant uh, as, as best I could insult a, a plant, and it... Uh, it, it kind of retracted, although I think it may have been some of the uh, the air coming out of my mouth and the spittle that was also being emitted as I was 
dissing the plant. I'm pretty sure it was that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Just trying to see how far that sensitive goes. Yeah, I was on just curious. Plant. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, that's what I'm wondering. Like, does are 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 plants sensitive to emotion? Are there any types of plants that are? I don't know. I don't know the answer. To it that. might be why some people can grow plants and some people can't. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. I I. I I can't say that uh, that would be the the issue in my case whenever I've tried to grow plants. I think mine was more so a lack of watering. You are the tomato whisperer. Though. Oh, in the garden is yeah. great. I mean, when I can like go out there and, and I, I will pay attention to that, but house plants I'm not so good at. Oh, I love my house plants. Yeah. They make me happy. I forget to water within the house, but <laughs> outside I'm good. I can like I, I can grow a good garden uh, outside, but you know, the in- interior ones is not so great. <laughs> anyhow. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to call in and share your real ghost story with us or fill us in on the world of plants, whatever you'd like to do. Of course, you can also write it on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online and share your ghost story with us that way. Please and thank you for uh, pressing that subscribe button, whatever platform it is you listen to us on. That helps us grow the show, and then you get all the episodes sent directly to you, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever it may be. Uh, thank you for uh, for doing that. It's always fun to see us uh, climbing up those charts. So uh, thank you, uh, thank you for that. Ray uh, writes in, "Hey Tony and Jenny, here's another set of stories for you. As I said, I have a lot of paranormal things that have happened to me, which I believe led me to make my career choice later in life. Maybe next time I'll share some funeral director stories. But today I wanted to tell you about two pets that I've had that uh, let me know they were okay after they died." The very first dog that I ever owned was the best friend I ever had. I'll never forget the night he came home for the first time. I was about three and was in a fort made out of a card table and some sheets. Those are the best forts. Yes. My parents uh, brought him home from the mail, from the mall. Um, they had uh, snuck off to the Humane Society and picked me up a pop. I remember them calling for me, but I was mad at them for being gone so long, so I refused to answer them. My mother let the dog down as he ran right to where I was without hesitation. My mother said it was like we were meant to be together because he was wagging his tail and made a beeline for me. I remember him pouncing through the sheet doorway, jumping on me, and then showering me with sloppy dog kisses. I distinctly recall after we had settled down, looking at his collar and seeing a tag that read, Hello, my name is Fella on it. So I instantly knew his name was, well, Fella. After that, we were inseparable, and the best years of my life were spent with that dog. At night, I'd put my feet together, and he would curl up between them and go to sleep. It wasn't wasn't comfortable, but I endured the discomfort so he could be near me. Life went on like that for a long time, with us only being apart because of school and playing when we were together. He ran with the neighborhood kids, followed me on my bike, and would eat anything off my plate that I wouldn't even eat broccoli. Uh, Sometimes, uh, or someone poisoned fellow once i believe it was uh, in his uh, dog food but this was back in the 70s and recalls weren't the norm and no one really cared if a few dogs or cats died but he survived although he was never quite the same one night we went to visit my father's parents i was in the living room watching tv while the adults played cards and i literally felt fella go through my body he'd come to say goodbye even now i get teary-eyed thinking about this i instantly knew he had died I began crying. I knew he was okay, but I also realized my best friend in the whole world was gone and never coming back to be by my side. I went to see my mother and told her I wanted to go home. My dad told me to stop crying and go back to the other room and we would leave when they were ready. 
I blurted out, Fella's dead. I want to go home. My mother assured me that everything was okay and to relax, but I was insistent that we go. So much so that my exasperated grandmother, who loved to play cards, told my dad to take me home. It was the longest car ride of my life, just knowing what was waiting for me when I got home. Oddly, no one, not my parents or two brothers, spoke the whole way back. I think they could sense I was right. When we got home, Fella did not greet us at the door like he usually did, and my mother told me to wait at the door. She went upstairs calling for him, but of course he didn't come. I heard her enter the bedroom and gasp, and instantly I ran up the stairs and saw my dog lying on my mother's bed with dried blood coming out of his ears. I think he had a stroke. Of course, I broke down and cried, myself silly for the rest of the night. That was the last time I ever cried. I buried Fella in the backyard the next day. I refused help from my father and did it alone. It was a while before I got another dog again. My next story came when I was 17. We moved to a new home and my brother David had gotten a dog named Freddy. Freddy and I did not get along at first. He was an extremely intelligent dog, abnormally so, and he would deliberately chew up items that only belonged to me. Over time, though, we made peace and became friends. My brother, David, left home to live with his girlfriend and left Freddy to stay at my parents' place. I was going to school and living with them, so Freddy and I became closer as time went on. Now we lived in the country and tried to keep Freddy tethered near the, ho- near the home when he was outside, but he loved to chase rabbits, and we had a million of them out there, so... He's always breaking loose, forcing me to go and look for him. I'd often find him at a nearby farm where he would make his own way home, but his escapes were becoming more and more frequent. One night, Freddy broke away, and for some reason, my mother became very worried. Now, Freddy and I may have made peace, but he had become my mother's dog. She doted on him, and he was fiercely protective of her. So when her spider sense was telling her that something wasn't right, I listened. I looked for him for a couple of hours, hitting all the regular spots, but I had no luck. My father and my brother, Matt, hopped into a truck and went out to look for him. Matt spotted Freddy's lead, uh, lead uh, tangled on the uh, roadside and then found him. He'd been hit by a car. At first, they thought he was dead, but it turned out he was sadly still alive. They picked up his mangled body, brought him home, and my brother put him down since my father could not bring himself to do it. Just so you know, there was no saving him. Half his head was crushed and his back was broken. It was the humane thing to do. We just don't know how he was still alive when we found him. Needless to say, the uh, uh, a pole fell over the house. Everyone was silent. I went to my room to lay on the floor. Gotten rid of my bed a few years before. I found sleeping on the floor was better and more comfortable for me. My room had no closet, just an entrance and a shared bathroom that connected to my brother's room. I remember lying on the floor and asking Fella to help Freddy over to the other side and making sure he found a good place to hunt rabbits. I believe that heaven for dogs is a place where they get to run and chase all day, and at night they come home and rest at their companion's feet. I hate the word master. I knew Freddy was going to chase rabbits all day and night. He'd rest beside my mother, but I still felt saddened by his loss. I drifted off to sleep and was awakened by a scratching on my door. I knew it was... A deep night as moonlight was pouring in through my window. I opened my door and there was Freddy. He was fine, except the hallway was not there behind him. Instead, all I could see was space and brilliant stars everywhere. It was like the whole universe was out of 
Fredo jumped up, made two circles, then sped off into the night. I closed my door, slid down, on in, looking into the moonlight. I sat there maybe two minutes and opened my door again. This time there was my hallway and Freddy was gone. I knew he had come to say goodbye to me. And I believe Fella made sure that he was able to do so. Oh, and just so you know, I have shared the story with my own children many times. The first time I shared it, my youngest son asked uh, how it was that uh, heaven, how it was heaven if the dogs chased the rabbits all over the place. Instinctively, I replied, heaven for rabbits is eluding and uh, trickling, uh, tricking silly dogs all day long before going home to snuggle in their warren. I believe that to be true as well. Take care and keep up the great work. Ray Johnson, your Ohio funeral director. <laughs> Did you ever have a bond with the dog? I know you didn't have a dog growing up, but cousin's dog or anything like that? Um, no, not really. I, I had cats mm-hmm. my whole life, so I had a bond with cats. Yeah. I love cats. I just, I, I never uh, I never had a dog. So, yeah. I guess I'm missing part of my soul. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that, but I, I understand what he's talking about, that growing up with a dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a, my first Border Collie, she lived to be 17 years old, and I had her from the time I was 10, you know, on up. Sure. So she and I were always together. Mm-hmm. And my brother had one too, and they were a brother and sister. And I swear, that dog would wait by his bicycle until that kid got off the bus yeah. and got home. Otherwise, that's where he was, unless he was having a seizure down by the lake. No mm-hmm. joke. He would just wait by the bike. You're talking about the dog having the seizures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not my brother. Not my brother's having yeah, a seizure down by the, the lake. Yes, the brother. He's down by the lake having a seizure. He'll be fine. No. <laughs> and honestly, kidding. Christopher's dog was a, a slow dog for sure. a border collie. So we think it had something to do with him having epilepsy, but yeah. he just was as loyal as the day was long. Sure. Well, they're very smart dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the border collie we have, I mean, when when she does something wrong, you can see she knows it. She knows it before you scold her. Yeah, I mean, and she's just like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> they're home. Oh, no. They ho- they're home, and I they realize I chewed up the two-year-old's boot, and yeah. I'm in trouble. Like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to go outside now for a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's funny. I mean, it's just, just the look on her face and just look at her, and that's all you need to do. And then she just, you know, she knows that <laughs> that she had it coming, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's all you have to do is just, just give her the look, and then she's like, okay. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it was the bond that I had with my first one that made me want to have a second one yep. all these years later. So I just, I don't know. You should have had a dog growing up. I, uh, you know, I, I only had the cat, so I, my mom wasn't ever much of a dog person. So I don't know. I, yeah. I just, <laughs> and then my mom, my mom kind of controlled the pets in our home. So as far as like what was coming and what was going the funny thing is about the uh, the the pets. I mean, I had uh, a cat allergy, but I didn't realize it till I was an adult, and I had the cat my whole life. But there you go. It was funny. I was thinking about that the other day because my uh, when my my play radio station in my house as a kid, I'd always go down there and and play radio. Usually after dinner, I did the fake all request dinner hour. Oh, okay. And I would sit there as a takeoff because the local station had the all request lunch hour. So I did the all request dinner hour in my basement and uh, I would do it in the laundry room. And there was also like the cat's room at night, like the cat had her little, you know, 
sleeping area and her sure. litter box and everything in there and just kind of where she would go. So it was a room she would tend to spend the most time in as well. Um, so it would also be the most dander-filled room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was my little studio. And I could never quite figure it out why when I would go in there and play radio station, I'd always be coughing and sneezing a lot. Aww. <laughs> I thought, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, <laughs> there you go. But I survived. Yeah. I survived. I love kitties. Anyhow. Uh, 855-853-4802 is her phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Kay writes in, hello there, uh, Jenny and Tony. It's me, Kay. Figured I'd answer your question about the lock that went missing from the basement of my old rental property. For starters, I've asked my mom if the landlord gave me a reason to why the door was locked. She said that the contents of the room itself were very old and fragile, and the property was passed down to his wife after her parents passed, and she didn't want anything in that room moved or taken from that room. That room was always locked up when she was going up, uh, was growing up in that house, and even when my landlord's family lived there. As for the location of the lock, no one has any idea how it came off. My family didn't have a key. And from what I understand, from the landlord's daughter, her parents also did not have the key to the lock. We weren't talking a master lock you pick at Walmart for $5. It was a large, black, and heavy lock. I can tell you that the door, nor was the latch to the lock attached to, showing any signs of tampering or damage. It just looked like it was unlocked and allowed to fall open. I just want to reference, this was a story we had on a couple... Like a couple weeks ago now, right? Yeah, it was. Um, and it was a, a home that was haunted. I'm trying to recall as best as I can. Okay. Um, do you, you're better at giving a, can you give a quick synopsis sure. better than I can? Go for it. Kay's written in a, a couple of stories and it's mostly been revolving around this home. It was a rental where she lived with her son and her parents and I believe her brother. And the first story was where she, she was expecting her son and this entity kept trying to attack her and like cause her to fall or cause her to trip. And, and then she had a spirit that sort of became um, like a guardian that took care of those evil spirits. Mm -hmm. And he's been with her ever since his name is Travis. And um, anyway, that things got so bad in the home, they had to flee and find a new home. But she's referencing their previous rental. There was a yeah. room downstairs that the landlord said was locked. Don't ever go in it. Don't open it. Just leave it alone. And we kind of conversed about why, how would you feel if your landlord said there's this room in your home that you can't go in, mm-hmm. you know, and why you would want to know what was going on or, you know, the story behind it. So anyway, so Kay and her spirit, Travis and her family and her son and their huge dog, Allie, have moved to a new house. Okay. And this was interesting because it was that basement room because it was addressed that the uh, the door had been unlocked for whatever reason, but it was never really addressed further than it was unlocked. And I was right. really curious as to what that was all about. So that's the backstory in her answering that question. So anyhow, continuing on. Uh, thank you for the synopsis. That was much better than I would have done. I <laughs> no would, problem. I would have been like a bad caller. Like, uh, uh, and then, uh, oh, but wait, go back. And that, that's how I would have been. <laughs> guaranteed because that's how i am at recalling some things but when you say it all i'm like oh i remember that i remember that i remember that i just can't pull it up Anyhow, <laughs> i remember seeing a very old wood shelf in there with a dusty jar and large clay jugs and wooden barrels sitting on the dirt floor there was a small rectangle window at the top of the wall the glass was dusty caked in years of dirt 
dust and what have you. I never went into the room. I have a thing about spiders and wasn't planning to meet any more than I had to. I figured this would be a good time to share more information about Travis. This is the uh, Guardian, right? Yeah. Since uh, this is uh, uh, one of the next things that happened after leaving the old farmhouse. The new place was large, so large, it took us a year or so to find all the neat little cubbies and hiding spots in the house. There was one I remember in one of the three upstairs bedrooms. In the closet, there was a secret door my brother found. He came, got and asked me to check it out. I'm a lot shorter and smaller than him, so I fit in the closet. So I went in, pushed the hidden door in, and slid it to the side, and there was a hallway that led from that room to our parents' room, and I could stand in there and hear my mom and dad talking. It looked like there was a door at the end of the little hallway as well, but couldn't be opened because the closet on the other side was closed up. There was another hidden door we found in the basement that led up into my bedroom. There was a trap door in the middle of this room that led up into the into my room, but you can't get through it because the floor was redone over it. Just a bunch of weird things like that. After a week, I was home alone cleaning up, unpacking stuff. Dommy was playing with her toys with Allie. My mother was at work. My brother was at school, and my dad was over the road again. So I was alone other than my three-year-old son and my dogs, Allie and Adrian. Anytime I would run the sweeper, I'd hear the sound of a woman screaming. This went on for a while. I truly believe the sound of the sweeper was messing with my ears, and it was simply in my head. Yet, when the screaming would happen, Allie would start to growl, and Adrian would go inside and hide in my room. Normal Adrian didn't react. It was always Allie. I called my mom, told her what was going on, and she said, I have an idea. Well, that following weekend... Her friend Kim came to the house to check things out. Kim's a medium. She does cleansing and warding off of negative energies. My mom asked her to come check out the new house, so she did. She found a few things. There was a very happy presence in the basement that no one thought would be an issue. Boy, were we wrong. That story later. And she found out that there was an older lady that was the cause of the screams in my house. When I turned the sweeper on, the sound scared this poor lady, and she screamed out of fear. I would do something like sweeping or running the rug doctor. I'd yell out and warn her that the the screams would stop. After I started doing that, I found the house would end up smelling like baked goods, like cookies and cakes, which was pretty cool. After Kim found the older lady, she then backtracked to my bedroom. Before she went to see about the lady, she pointed out my room had some kind of strong presence in it that she was going to address that last. She felt this was the biggest thing in the house, That needed her attention, and she was planning to give it her full attention. I followed her around a while. She's checking things out, not saying a word, wondering how long before she encounters Travis and how that would go. Well, I soon found out how well that was going to go and how well Kim and Travis liked each other. I'd left my son in my room with Allie playing with his toys. That's the room Travis hangs out in. Kim gathered some things out of her bag and headed right into my room. Oh boy, this is going to be lovely. I try to head her off to tell her she's mistaken, but Travis met her at the door to my room and wouldn't allow her in. There was no silent speaking of the minds or anything. She straight up told him to let her in, and he, in his normal manner, defied her. He wasn't going to allow her in. I got the feeling since he didn't know who she was, he wasn't going to allow her near my son, which didn't bother me. They went back and forth for a time, her demanding that he stand down and him telling her no. I, at one 
point in time, became bored and tired of the test of wills and walked right in my room and got on my computer to play around. I asked Travis to stop being mean and to let her in. She's a friend. He did as I said and backed off and completely vanished. She asked me why he was there. Where did I get him? I told her about what had happened. She wasn't taken with the idea. He was a good spirit. Even after, she was told the event from the old farmhouse. She did something and asked him back. He came and wasn't happy about her calling out to him. The lights in my room started to flicker on my TV and computer. They both shut down. Then she asked him why he was there. What does he want? Then something I couldn't see nor hear happened. And she began to cry. Her face was stained with tears and she put her sage and bowl down and walked right over to me and hugged me and kissed me on the head. She said, What you have here is a very damaged soul that loves you more than I can express. I asked her what I missed. She then sat down on my bed and told me about Travis. Travis is a German soldier from about the 1930s or 1940s time period. He was killed while helping a family to safety. The family made it, but Travis didn't. He was shot to death. He doesn't really know how he came to be with me, but he knows he had to go where I went. She said that he told her he has to protect me and my son. I don't know what to say to that. Well, even now I don't know what to say to that. None of us were able to understand him when he spoke his name, which now if you would ask him, it's simply Travis. He never shared this with me because he didn't want to scare me. Then after time went on, what happened in life didn't matter anymore. My son's safety and mine is what matters now to him. Oh, guys, I'll send you more at another point in time. Keep up the awesome work. Tony, hang in there with your allergies. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. There is so much irony in that story. How so? With the fact that the only spirit that's been protecting her and her family... Mm -hmm is of one that would normally you would you would think of being afraid of yeah uh at that point in time we're talking a german soldier correct yes so that would not necessarily be the good guys no no not at all i mean that's that's the interesting thing i mean you're immediately you know your reaction is going to be oh, a nazi ghost in my house you know i mean it, it's it I mean the, the story is he was trying to help a family so it, maybe there's some goodness to this human being as a human being i don't know but uh (laughs) well i think the fact that he didn't share that detail to begin with with um Kay and her family may show some remorse there yeah very interesting story uh and and in death that he's he's do you think there's like a guilt there where maybe he's trying to you know look back at, at where he was in his life and and what side he was fighting on, and now he's looking back going, I'm going to try and do good in, in the afterlife? You know, I, I'd like to think so. I don't have any idea, Sure, you know, one way or the other, but I, I think that's that's the story I'd like to think. Yeah, it, It's an interesting, interesting story. Thank you for, uh, for writing that into us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to Charlie in New York. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Charlie from New York. Um, You guys read my story a few weeks ago about my grandmother who um, had been tugging on my hair after she had passed away, Um, and it really made me laugh to hear uh, Tony try to figure out 
you know, whether or not it was Nancy Drew or Nancy Jude. Um, it was actually Nancy Judy, which equally makes no sense. Um, but then again, my grandmother was weird. Um, yesterday, I actually had something crazy happen that I thought you guys would appreciate. Um, again, it was tied to my grandmother. Um, so my father lives in Long Island, uh, New York, and I live in Manhattan, so I have a Manhattan phone number. Um, my area code is a 917 area code. Um, and I was here at my dad's house going through all of my things because he's going to be moving. Um, and he, I was sitting there going through boxes of things, and all of a sudden my phone rings. Um, and I look down, and it's a Long Island area code. So, you know, not that many people call me from Long Island, but I'm assuming that maybe it's somebody I know. My husband was at work for the day, so I thought maybe, like, he could have been calling me or something. So I answer the phone, and um, a woman is on the other line, and I'm like, hello. And she says, hi, Sarah. I mean, sorry, Charlie. <laughs> My name is actually Sarah. Um by, I go by Charlie. Anyway, so she says, hi, Charlie. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, can I help you? Um, and she says, do you know who this is? And I, I say, no. And she says, it's your grandmother. And, um, I, my, you know, my stomach dropped into my butt and I, I couldn't breathe because my grandmother, both of my grandmothers are dead. Um, but immediately my mind went to the grandmother who, um, you know, was far, you know, the one that I wasn't speaking to and I didn't have a relationship with. And um, I started shaking and I'm like, you know, this is so strange. I'm going through all these boxes of old things and, you know, this woman's calling me, telling me she's my grandmother. Um, so I continue the conversation and I'm like, yes, like, um, can I help you? And she says, you know, do you have a grandmother? And I say, no. And she says, um, you know, do you have two sons? And I say, no, because I don't have any children. Um, and she suddenly realizes that I am not the right Charlie that she should be calling. Um, and it was weird because she did call me Charlie and nobody really knows that name. Like a lot of people do know my name is, um, my birth name is Sarah, but most people call me Charlie. But for her to be calling a girl named Charlie and telling her that she's her grandmother when I don't know this person at all while I'm going through these boxes of really old things, um, it could have purely just been a coincidence, but it was really strange and um, I had been, listen been listening to your podcast earlier in the day so it was just really weird the whole thing freaked me out so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that maybe it was just a coincidence but um, it scared the crap out of me <laughs> um, thanks for everything guys have a great day what do you make of that that is one heck of a coincidence because I'm assuming since Charlie is kind of her nickname that she goes by yeah if somebody had just looked her up in the phone book, if they still use phone books, which I'm assuming grandmothers would, it sure. would have been under her real name. Yeah. So for her to happen to call the wrong number and the nickname happens to be the same. Yeah. I don't know. That's freaky. Maybe you're supposed to have two boys and the call just came too early. <laughs> call us back in 10 years and let us know how things are going. <laughs> that, that's very interesting, creepy, weird coincidence although when you listen to our show everything i think gets a little more elevated in terms of paranormal awareness yeah but uh that's a lot of weird things to line up it sure just is. in the right spots uh, 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 i think it happened for a reason i don't know what the hell the reason is <laughs> 
You're going to have twins. Congratulations. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. And if, if that happens, you have to let us know. Sherry writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Sherry. I love the show. Recently downloaded the uh, Stitcher app and I'm catching up on past episodes. First off, let me explain. I live in a house that's uh, been in the family for at least 30 years. My grandparents bought the house, my dad's father and stepmom. My mom and dad inherited the house in 1996 after the death of my grandma. My mom passed away in 2003 and my dad late last year. I live with my 14-year-old son and sister and brother-in-law. My son and I moved in with mom and dad in 2002. At the time, my son was two. Shortly after we moved in, my son and I came home and were the only ones home. My dad was at work and mom was at the neighbor's. I had to stop by and get the key from my mom, so I know my son and I were the only ones home. Just as we walked in the front door, I heard two voices. I could not make out what was said or if the voices were male or female. It sounded like the end of a conversation. Like someone asked a question and the other person answered. I quickly checked the house. The TV, radios were all off. The windows were closed and there was no one outside. thought, well, that's weird. Went on about my business. A few weeks after that, we finished dinner and my mom and I started doing the dishes. Our table is not 10 feet from the sink. I realized that my son's toddler spoon was missing. I looked all over for it on the table, under the table, and my son's booster seat, and the spoon was nowhere to be found. A week later, my son woke up in the morning crying. My mom stayed with him and I went to the kitchen to get him some water. As I was at the sink, I looked over at the open silverware drawer and right on top was the missing spoon. I thought to myself, I wonder where mom found the spoon. I got busy getting my son dressed and forgot to ask about it. A few minutes later, my mom and I were in the kitchen as I was making my son's breakfast. When she asked, where did you find the spoon? Come to find out, neither my mom nor dad found the spoon. I think it may have been my grandma's idea of a joke or just her way of getting my attention. I have more stories that I'll try and share later. Again, I love your show. I hope to become an EPP soon. Goodbye and thank you for your show. That is so annoying. When you can't find something and then all of a sudden it shows up. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, in that case, everybody was looking for it. Nobody had moved it. The child's too small to have moved it. How often do you think that happens where it was something paranormal but nobody really realizes it? I have that happen all the time where, like, I'm looking for something and it's, like, literally right in front of me. I, I it, don't know. Either I'm, I, I mean, I'm not dismissing that it's just me being stupid. But, uh, I mean, uh, I shouldn't say all the time. But it does happen sometimes. And it, it happens to everybody. You know, where you're like, oh, where's my wallet? And it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking around for it. I, I have, like, certain places I put things. Mm-hmm. My wallet is is, like, there's three places it would be. Yeah. I would never set it in like anything other than those three places. And it depends on my day, where I'm at in my day, and where I'm putting it mm-hmm. at the time. And that's it. I don't randomly, I'm not someone who, who like just randomly sets things down in certain places. I just, I don't do it. Because I know I'm going to lose it if I do it that way. So, I've had so many times where, for example, a wallet. Uh-huh. Um, and I have other thing objects that I do that with too. Um, where I, I'm, I'm going through my day and like, oh, I got to go, go grab my wallet. You know, it's, it's around noon. I would still be in this office. So it would be on my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'll certainly, it's not on my desk. Where is it? Then I go 
And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I never brought it in with me today. Maybe it was still in my nighttime resting spot for it. Yeah. Go and check that. Not there. Well, could it have been in the other spot that I, I, I put it sometimes before nighttime if I'm in the house? Check there. Not there. What the? And I go back to the office. Bam. There it is. Right where, <laughs> right where I was initially looking for it. Uh-huh. And I... I don't have clutter everywhere where it's like it's lost under papers. No. It's pretty clear sight. So, and then these sort of things happen every day for people. You know, this is just one of many examples. How many times do you think that happens to people? Or then, oh, and then you find it you're like, oh, okay, I guess I was stupid. I just didn't see it. Where, where there was something paranormal at play there, but we never allow that in as a explanation for I, I have no idea how how often or what percentage of time that would be. I mean, I've done things like that. There was one time I was frantically searching for my phone and it was in my hand. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a real duh moment. But I, you know, I think sometimes it happens just because we are so much busier now than we used to be. Sure. So and it's I, just, just, it's nothing paranormal. But what about when I come back in here and I see it and it's literally hovering above the desk? Okay, when it's hovering, then that, you know you have a problem. See, I dismiss it sometimes then, too, because I'm like, yeah, it's hovering. It can happen, you know? It could be a weird gravitational pull thing going on. It's that new hover. Just, just doing it. No big deal. <laughs> I take it. I walk away. You know, it's no big deal. No, but I don't put it past you to look at something and not see it when you're frantically looking for it. Sure. Just because sometimes you are 10 steps ahead of where you physically are. Yeah. I mean, I just miss a lot of things, you know, like bite marks of like fine on my arm or yeah. weird symbols that'll appear on my skin. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> Pentagram on my back. That's That happens. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a sheets. It's how you, you laid that night. Right. It's a sleep mark. <laughs> so how it worked 855-853-4802 that's the phone number at real coast stories online ren writes in ren at the time of this story uh we were still in newfield new york which is in central new york we've been traveling back and forth to california to spend time with my mom who was dying of breast cancer and we'd just decided to move back for good turning our back on opening our winery and life we built to see my mom through her last days My mom loved my children, I swear, more than she loved me. She was so close with both of them. It was amazing to see, which is why we decided to come back, because we knew that was the best gift we could give such a great woman, to be surrounded by the people she loved when she left this earth. And we knew my children would help lift her spirits during her battle with chemo and radiation. Before I go on, I have to tell you about my kids' sleep habits. My children, just like most children, will do anything to stay up past their bedtime, but When they do fall asleep, it's impossible to wake them. They've always slept through the night. I mean, you could have a 10-round boxing match in the room and they wouldn't stir. So on this night in particular, we all went to bed as usual, had been asleep for a few hours. At 11.50 p.m., not just one, but both kids started crying in their sleep. I mean, they were weeping. They were still deep asleep, but it seemed like they were dreaming something sad, obviously. They never actually woke up, so I was just like, whatever, that's weird. I love sleep. But a few minutes later, I was awoken by both children screaming out. The oldest said, no, don't go. The youngest said, no. At this point, I'm wide awake thinking, what the hell is going on here? They were asleep just last minute, but just speaking out of their dreams. 
was trying to decide whether or not to wake them to get them out of their apparent similar nightmares when my phone rang. It was my father. He was at the hospital, and he was frantic. I always tell people that to this day, I'm only afraid of one man, and that's my father. So to hear this man on the verge of tears, not knowing what to do, and obviously upset, was kind of jarring after midnight. I get him calmed down, and he tells me my mother had slipped and fallen while at the hospital. Due to her fall, she was in a coma. She eventually awoke a few days after. I got this oh-shit feeling in my stomach. You know, the butterfly feeling, but not when you're uh, hot for someone, but when you're scared? Yeah, that. And I asked what time, and he said a few minutes ago, around 11.50. I was speechless. I didn't tell my dad what happened, but after I got off the phone with him, I told my wife. What we guessed was that when she slipped and fell, her spirit probably wasn't sure if she was dead or not. And knowing my mom, her first stop was on her death visits and probably be my daughter's. And given the context of what I heard them dreaming about, I think she was trying to say goodbye, just in case this was it, in case she had to move on. Over the next few days, whenever I was alone, although I didn't feel anything, I would try to talk to her and yet, and tell her to go back to her body that her life wasn't over yet. Like I said, in a few days she woke up and we were able to move and spend a few months with her before she passed, but this story has always stuck out as a cool family story. Love you guys. Take care. I want to know, and it's it may have been something asked at the time, but not, um, if the grandmother had any recollection of visiting the girls while she was in the coma. Yeah. I want to know the answer to that. Ren, why didn't you answer that question <laughs> before we asked it? But no, I'd love to know. Yeah, I'd like to know. And I think that's exactly what it was, was, you know, the start of the death visits, which that's a term I'm going to use from now on. The death visits. It fits. It is. It's kind of like the, uh, some people, the it's uh, time for the obligatory death visits. Let's go tell people how much I loved them. And then you can move <laughs> God, you can take a sentimental moment and take it to asshole and zero to 60. That's like total asshole. Jeez. Hi, I loved you. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. I mean, I I know. I would love to go do some, some death visits if I could when I die. I, I just I, I always wonder do you have the option? That that's that's one of the biggest questions I have is do you have the option to go do it? I think only if you're in that in between state. Yeah. Where you're almost you know, almost gone but not quite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My explanation would have been exactly what Red said. Yeah. I mean that's I mean my thought process when we were reading the story was what's my explanation gonna be? And then he covered it. So yeah. I completely agree with you, Ren. I think it's exactly what happened. So Interesting story. I loved it. But uh, do tell us, you know, did you ever talk to her about that? You know, see if she knew. I'd love to hear the answer to that. Thank you for uh, for writing in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi, this is Rocio, and I'm calling from Tucson, Arizona. So I'm going to tell you guys my most current um, paranormal experience. One time, my brother and I were outside. Um, we were just talking about random things. Usually, we would go and debate about just God and things like that. Um, it was 
in July here in Tucson. It was dry, heat, no wind. And all of a sudden, there was like a cold wind that came out of nowhere. All I remember is looking back and feeling the the breeze. It was really, really cold. And hearing the rustling of the leaves. And I heard footsteps coming towards my way. So I turned to my brother and asked him, did you hear the footsteps? And he said, no, but I could feel the, the cold wind. When suddenly the door to the kitchen just swung open like if somebody would to like bust in the house really angry. Uh, my first thought was, okay, maybe my kid's dad did it or one of the kids. So I went inside the house. The first thing I did was look at going to the kids' room. They were both sleeping. And the kid's dad was passed out, drunk. So I know it wasn't him. So we tried to wake him up and we asked him if he had opened the door. And of course, no, he was, he was sleeping. So we went back over to the kitchen and there was no wind, nothing. Nobody was in the house. It was just us. Um, the interesting thing about that is after that happened, the relationship between my kid's father and I got really, really bad. Um, he has a problem with drinking and he became more violent. Uh, it got to the point where I could not I could not handle being there anymore. And I moved out and went back to my parents. So I have a feeling that whatever went in there was actually there to make me run <laughs> because I had been dealing with this relationship for 14 years and I was unable to break away from it. So whether it was a negative entity or not, it just made things worse. And um, now um, I'm at my parents' house and my kids are with me. We're safe. We don't have to deal with uh, crazy anger fits. But I will call in and tell you guys more stories. Have a good one. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story with it. I think it could have just been that an entity that was kind of looking out for you saying, you know, not the good place for you to be at. You think that is what it was? I, I think that might have been part of it. What do you think? I was just thinking it was something that knew that there was a level of unhappiness going mm -hmm. on in the family. And, um, you know, probably some sadness and just frustration. So it was coming in because it could tell that they'd be easy targets. That is another take on it. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, whether it was good or bad, I think it was just something that was there that just came in because it could. I, yeah, man, you're, you're probably right. I don't know about that. I know, I know it's one of those things where I have my kind of take on it, then you say yours and it's like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> and it's I, not like reluctant husband. Oh, you're right, honey. It's more like, yeah, I, you're, no, I didn't think of it from that perspective much, but. Well, at least things are better. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. Thank you for calling in and sharing that story with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Let's go to Mo in Toronto. Hi. Uh, hey, guys. This is Mo from Toronto, Canada. I have 
a story of recollection of an incident from my childhood uh, that I faced the repercussions of, or rather my mother and I both did, uh, for years to come. I don't really know how to classify it as anything other than witchcraft, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that. So the first occurrence of this incident happened back when I was still in my home country of Pakistan. And usually you lived in like a very rural area, very urban area actually, um, where it was extremely commercial and we lived right in the middle of like a business district. And it was very common, it is still very common that that area would like go out of electricity, like they would shut off the electricity on purpose for extended periods of time due to uh, power power outages and power shortage. Uh, so one day, me and my mother were out um, with uh, my dad, and we just got back home uh, from a night out. This was uh, probably when I was about eight, maybe nine years of age. And our house, we have to basically climb up a set of uh, like uh, stairs to get to our house. It was a three-story building. On the first story it was our house on the second and third it was my aunt and uncles uh, that lived there it was basically one large house separated into three smaller houses uh, separated by stairs so as we went upstairs all the lights were out we usually leave the lights on uh, because it's really hard to see um, but since the lights were out uh, we basically had to like guess our way around everything and when I was the first one to go upstairs and um, unlock the door inside the house and I told everyone to, you know, just uh, come on in, it's, uh, everything's fine. And um, my mom came in and we also had a maid at that time. It's really common uh, for people to have maids that would basically uh, live with them for extended periods of time. Um, she was basically like almost like a sister to me since uh, I grew up with her um, for about seven years and she took care of me when my mother was out and about. Um, so then she was the first one to come upstairs after me and uh, my mother was the third. But when my mom came inside the house, because there's another two or three steps that you have to take before you can enter the house, uh, she felt a little something uh, click on her heels um, around maybe on the maybe second or the first step that led inside the house and she wondered what it was. Uh, and it was apparently a bag, like a plastic bag that had something inside it, but it was too dark to tell. So she just felt it around the area with her hand because like, like I said, there were no lights inside of the house and uh, she just carried it in, inside the house and uh, once we were all inside the house uh, we turned on the emergency lights inside the kitchen and um, my, it was a, my mom uh, she was carrying a plastic bag that uh, her foot had basically just kicked and it was right in front of the house like literally like two steps away from the house and First, we thought that somebody left their garbage 
from upstairs or something of that sort. Uh, so my mom told me to, you know, uh, but again, she felt around, she felt the bag and it did something just felt off to her. So she handed it over to our maid and they told her to, you know, look like open up the bag and see what was inside there. Uh, while she went and like did other things like changed and stuff. Um, I went about and did the same. And while we were changing, uh, all, like all of a sudden we hear our maid just like scream, like all of a sudden uh, out of the middle of nowhere uh, from the kitchen while as she opened the bag apparently. And we all came rushing there to see that she opened the bag and uh, we asked her, is everything okay? And she just, uh, she's like, there's something in the bag. And then we are like, okay. So my mom just opened the bag and there was a severed head of a black goat with seven cuts on it. And it was completely intact. The, the, all the blood had been drained out of the, uh, the head, but nothing else had been like uh, taken out. Like the tongue was there, all the teeth were there, the eyes were there, the ears were there, everything was there, the skin was there. But it just had like, and it was a black coat and there were like seven different cuts all over the head. So the first thing we did was basically throw it out immediately um, into the garbage outside. Uh, me and my dad took care of that. Um, and that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was what came in the seven years after that because every single year since then, my mom, particularly my mom, she suffered from various types of uh, illnesses. Like uh, she had developed kidney stones out of nowhere. Then she had to get a breast uh, surgery to get a uh, get a gland removal. And she would never be well for the next seven years and would go through like extreme ups and downs of depression that you would otherwise have never imagined someone like her to go through absolutely whatsoever because uh, everyone in the family knew her to be better than that and she had no our family had no history of any substance abuse or anything of that sort that would uh, resort to that kind of a behavior and it was the only thing that i can think of was that somebody was out to have a personal vendetta against her. I don't know exactly uh, who it was or what it was or that happened, but those seven years that followed were quite possibly the most stressful years of not only her life, but my life as well, because I had to see her go through all of that and I had to take care of her during those seven years and being of like a teenager yeah, and barely being able to take care of myself. That was uh, pretty hard to do anyhow. Um, I'm a proud EPP subscriber. I love hearing your stories. Um, I have a couple more like these uh, that might give you an in-depth um, perspective of who it might be. Uh, I'm still not sure yet on if it's that particular person or not, but I'll keep that in mind for the next time I call in. Um, really love all the stories here. I love your show. And um, hope to hear this over the next few episodes. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. Who, uh, let me ask you this. 
who in our audience has not received a goat head in the mail with, you know, specific markings on it? I mean... And parts missing. And parts missing. I mean, that's... I mean, if you haven't had that happen, please raise your hand. Exactly. No one's raising their hand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... I think it's hard to really talk about whether or not it was something that had to do with the mother becoming ill mm-hmm. without knowing the other story, which he alluded to, Yeah, where he kind of had an idea who it could have been that left that and what that means. I don't know exactly what that means. I want to know more. I do, too. Yeah. And that's all I got. Yeah. I mean, I need to know more to, like, really, I think, give a... Uh, more in-depth analysis on it, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's like I just kind of have part of the story. I'm intrigued, but I'd love to have the other part of the story. Do you at least, do you think they're related, the two events? I do, yeah. I mean, I want to be sure by hearing the other part mm-hmm. that kind of connects this. So please do call in and share that with us. We'd love to hear it here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, you want some bonus episodes, like 35 bonus episodes, you can sit there and just like, you know, take a sick day and binge, or you like a sick day and a half, really. Uh huh. That means that's probably two full sick days at that point. Well, I'm going to be napping on my sick day, so it might stretch into two full sick days. Just sit there and listen to ghost stories for two full sick days. There you go. Enjoy it. Be an EPP. Mm -hmm. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You can uh, do all of that. All these new ghost stories you may have never heard before. Some video on there as well. We always get the question of what do you guys look like? Well, there you go. There's some video up there. and You can see what we look like. And then run for your life. So, <laughs> anyhow, check it out. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Click uh, Become an EPP. Your support keeps our show on the air. It uh, keeps the free show on the air. And uh, we give you something a little extra as well. Just as a thank you for... Uh, keeping it up so please uh, please check that out realghoststoriesonline.com until next time for Jenny Bruski I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online <laughs>